Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sidner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with creators and artists from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul from Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. We hope you enjoy the show. Good evening, 94.1 FM Frogtown Radio. How y'all doing tonight? My name is Amanda Forstrom, and I am here with Mouthing Off, the podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company. So thank you so much for listening. And I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Kautzman. Ready to rock. Yeah, never better. Mouthing off a theater arts and culture podcast. We're getting it done. We're putting the work in. It's the first day of spring. We're doing the thing. And if you're a regular listener of Mouthing Off, you may have missed our third host for a few weeks. Mari Sittner's back. Glad to be back. Glad to be back in Frogtown. Right. Yes. Ribbit, ribbit. You're among the... Among the frogs. And Amanda, do you want to introduce our our guest for today's festivities? Absolutely. (laughs) So I am so excited to introduce our guest, Matt Sachs, today because we met through a Bad Mouth Theater Company reading. He was an actor, fantastic actor, who came in and did a reading. You must have seen him at Waldman Brewery. And if not, you got to catch him this season or next season because he'll definitely be back. And he's been all around the country on stage and film. So I'm super excited. Matt, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm really uh, grateful. Thanks for even thinking of me for this. Oh, yes. Thanks for thanks for being thought of, Matt. Uh, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's worth uh, noting, of course, you can go into the back catalog of Mouthing Off and hear all of the readings that we did last year for our first season. Uh, and, and as you go through those, you'll hear uh, you will certainly hear Matt. Uh, and so we're we're really glad to have you on. And you're an actor. Yes, actor, producer, uh, sometimes director, although that's not my favorite thing, but I, I, I dabble in all of them. Mm. Yeah, everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people use the catch-all theater maker. I'm a theater maker. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that, that's a nice catch-all. Like, I, I make <laughs> stuff and I do stuff and I, I generally like to be around theater. I do too. What have you been doing lately? Oh, lately, I've been doing a lot of work with my own company on uh, our show uh, running series, A Drinking Game Minnesota, which Amanda was in. uh, And she was awesome in our Adams Family Values show uh, back in October. Um, We just did a big transition. We moved from the space that we'd been at for about eight years uh, to a new location, uh, Can Can Wonderland in St. Paul. Oh, you're at uh, at Can Can Wonderland now. Yeah, that's where we oh moved. My God. Uh, we've done two shows now there. We just did one uh, two weeks ago, uh, our second one overall, Mean Girls. And we got another one coming up in May. So it's a big move. It's a big transition uh, for us uh, after being at Phoenix Theater in Uptown for eight years. And before that, about three years at the Bryant Lake Bowl. So uh, we're in our 
11th season of doing this. We had our 11th anniversary back in February. So this is a big new transition, new space, a lot to learn from this new space and everything. So having been a part of the show, it was super fun. But for the listeners who don't know what happens during these shows, can you explain a little bit about what the concept is and also the origin story of how this came about? Sure. Uh, It's a wonderful question because people hear that and they're like, what is that? Uh, A drinking game, Minnesota, is basically uh, a full theatrical performance reading of a uh, favorite movie. Um, Actors have scripts in hand so that there's no memorization on their part. And we uh, incorporate props and costumes and makeup and puppets and uh, choreography, both dance and fight choreography. And there are drinking cues for the actors on stage giving the performance and for the audience who's watching. Um, It's really fun. It's low interactive, so it doesn't frighten Minnesotans. Uh, And it's just a really fun time. Uh, it, with I like to call it, you know, uh, give it a, a, like I said, a full theatrical experience. You know, uh, it's a full performance. It's just scripts and hands and there's drinking cues for people. And uh, where it came out of, um, my friends in L.A. started it. My friends, uh, Brett Schlank and uh, Jason Klom, uh, a lot of people started just they came up with the idea and started doing it in L.A., and after a couple years, they reached out to me in Minnesota here and they were like, hey, maybe you'd like to expand our show, expand our brand. And I was like, oh, I don't know, because I'd, I'd never seen it. They started doing it uh, after I moved away from L.A. And, you know, they described it to me and I was like, OK, that's that sounds like fun. And I know a, a place that would be cool for it. The the Bryant Lake Bowl in Uptown, which is a bowling alley with a full restaurant and bar and a theater <laughs> inside of it. So if you don't mind hearing, uh, you know, people bowling outside your space, go ahead and, and see a show there because it's a fun place to go to. Um, so I, you know, said, well, I'll give it a try. I'll, I'll try it. Um, and I didn't know if anybody would come to it. Our first, uh, I picked the Princess Bride to do as the first show. And I, yeah, it's, it's obviously a classic fun movie. A lot of people love it. And, and I honestly didn't know if anyone would show up for it. You know, I I got my dream cast for it and we had a great rehearsal and, but I honestly wasn't sure anyone would come, Uh, you know, I'm nervous before the show, wondering if anybody's going to come and somebody on the staff there, like tapped me on the shoulder about mm, like about like 30, 45 minutes before the show was going to start and said, Hey, can we open the space? Are you ready to go? Because we got a line like going out through the hallway and through the bar and restaurant and onto the street and almost down to the corner. I was like, Oh my God. Yes. Open the doors, please. Like it, I think we had to turn like about 50, 60 people away from that opening night show. Yeah. It was it was mind blowing. And then it went it went incredibly well. It was it was amazing. It it was electric and fun and people laughed in all the right spots and enjoyed it so much. It was just a fantastic, fabulous night. And they were like, after the show, they were like, can you do this again? And I was like, oh, I guess. And one of my cast members, who was my friend, Matt Kelly, uh, who I was in an improv group with, he he came to me. He was like, that was really fun. Like, and they want you to do this again. We should maybe we could do this regularly. And I was like, Oh, well, 
let's let's try it again, you know, and see if anyone shows up again. <laughs> and so a couple months later, we did the Princess Bride again uh, because uh, I felt bad that so many people had been turned away the first time. <laughs> and again, it like it like had people going out through the almost onto the street, like trying to come into it. And uh, so we did it again. And Matt Kelly was said to me, yeah, I think, I think people will show up if you keep doing these, like I'll help you produce them and let's see if we can do this like on a monthly basis. And the Bryant Lake bowl was like, can you do this on a monthly basis? And I was, I don't know. I can, I can try. (laughs) And now 11 years later, I've been doing it on a monthly basis. (laughs) That's amazing. Right. And uh, peripatetic. So you were at Bryant Lake Bowl, then you moved to Phoenix, which is Mm -hmm. where we're doing our first production. We're doing a production of Sean Raycraft's One Good Marriage in May. It's a great play, very tidy two-hander, very dramatic, very funny, contemporary new play. It's going to feature Amanda, our very own Amanda. So please uh, check out. Mm -hmm. Tickets are already on sale. At Phoenix Theater's website, you can find all the details at badmouthtc.com. So you moved to Phoenix, and what was that like? Because that's quite different from Bryant Lake Bowl. Mm. Yeah, like, you know, when we did it for the at the BLB for a few years, like, they had a strict cutoff time because of their zoning rules. You know, we had to be done by midnight. Uh, and I remember finishing, like, at 11.58, 11.59 on the dot and be like, whew. Um uh, moving to Phoenix gave us a bigger stage. Uh, the stage at BLB is small and it's raised uh, and there's seats like right below you. So it always made me a little nervous. Like no one ever had an accident. Nothing ever. No one ever fell off and fell onto people's tables or on their chairs or in their laps right uh, against the stage. But it always made me a little nervous. It was a very tiny stage and it was tightly packed. Um, So moving it to Phoenix gave us a much bigger space to work at. It allowed us to have more uh, dancing and fight choreography and moves. Uh, (laughs) It gave more people room and uh, it gave us uh, uh, just a a different atmosphere. Um, You know, it had a big lobby that they have a big lobby at Phoenix. uh, So there was more room for people to move out, uh, being comfortable in the lobby and everything. So that was the the biggest change, though, was the stage itself, because it was a big full stage. Uh, So it allowed us to have a lot more incorporating of movement and dance numbers, puppets, uh, big full costumes. So that was the biggest uh, change in moving there. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the biggest one overall, I'd say. But Mm -hmm. it was just... uh, a wonderful experience. Both places are wonderful places. I, I encourage people to go and see shows at both places and support the work being done at both. Mm. And now, yeah, and now you're at a third place, which I love, Can Can Wonderland. And you're the guest. So unless you want me to, do you want to describe to people? Because we, people listen to this in the Twin Cities, but also elsewhere because it's online. Sure. Uh, what is Can Can Wonderland? Oh, I mean, like you can describe it too. Like if I miss anything, but Can Can Wonderland is like an adult playground. Uh, it's a place. Well, I I, didn't, I shouldn't even say adult. Like it's for the full whole family. It's basically like it feels like an acre of uh, a basement in the Twin Cities with pinball and video games and ping pong and a mini golf course and food not, and drinks and yeah like, oh my and, gosh and not just any mini golf course like in our like an artisanal ultra hip every hole is a work of art it's like 
mini golf elevated to the the status of fine art. Like Salvador, yeah. it's it's mini golf for Salvador Dali if he was from the Midwest. Oh yeah, it's like it's like if Salvador Dali was asked to build a golf course on Augusta National uh, and make it a mini golf course. I, I would say I would say it's the Augusta National of of mini golf courses. I, I would. I'm so. over the moon about that place, and I have a little anecdote about it. I want to tell myself, but first, where can people find information about about you about the the drinking game if they're into this, they want to go out. Oh sure. You? Uh, everything's available on the Shadow Horse Theater website. So that's my theater company that produces a drinking game, Minnesota. And we're on all the social media too. So if you uh, just do a Google search for Shadow Horse Theater, you can go to shadowhorsetheater.com theater with an R-E, I should say. Uh, I always want to make sure people know it's the R-E. To pronounce uh, the theater. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, shadowhorsetheater.com. And then you can look up Shadow Horse Theater on Facebook. A drinking game, Minnesota has its own Facebook page. It also has Instagram. We have Instagram for both for Shadow Horse Theater and uh, Drinking Game Minnesota. And we also have uh, Twitter, too. So we're on all across all the social media platforms. You can find them on all those places. And there's links on our website, the Shadow Horse Theater website, to all those as well. And uh, the drinking game, does it, it happens once a month. Is it always on the same like evening or does it change? That's a great question. It it was always on the first Saturday of the month for the first uh, 11 years now. Now here at CanCan, uh, it's been every other month. And I think that's how it's going to be through the end of the calendar year this year of 2023. But we're looking and, and they've asked us to expand it to monthly there now, too, because the first two shows have been really successful there, which is really nice. So, um, you know, there are wonderful staff there. Uh, H, who is the uh, kind of artistic director who brings in the acts for Can Can. Uh, they're a wonderful person. Uh, I've really enjoyed working with them. And their bar staff is awesome. And everyone we've been working with there, you know, I didn't know any of them until a, a few months ago. They've been amazing. And uh, so now it's going to be every other month. So that's why our next show is not in April, but in May. And that'll be Mama Mia, which, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest ABBA person, but people love it. So I want to give the people what they want. And uh, um, that'll be our show in May. There will be singing. Oh, there will be singing. There's always singing when we do the musicals. Yeah, absolutely. Always So everyone sings the, like they're, sings the uh, songs. It's not like they're lip syncing or anything. We usually air on like playing the music underneath it as well. So like people can sing along and, uh, but yeah, we always have like, we've always done live singing. Like we don't lip sync or anything like that. We've always sung along Uh, like for every musical we've done, whether it was Oh Brother, Where Art Thou or Mamma Mia or like recently Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, So we've always like, aired on the side of like if there's a musical number in it we'll we'll sing along uh and we'll but we will always do live singing yeah i've I've done more singing in (laughs) drinking game than i've ever done in any of my other shows because i am not like the i will admit to not being the world's greatest singer but i i feel comfortable singing at drinking game shows (laughs) i was gonna say that's that's probably when i'm the best singer i don't know (laughs) about anybody else but I shouldn't say that. I'll take my career as a musical theater actress before it even begins here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here on Mouthing Off. Call your sponsor, 
get some friends together and go out to the go out it's called it's called the minnesota drinking game uh a drinking game minnesota a drinking game uh, minnesota okay yeah yeah and um and one thing i also like you know people like one thing about the show is like some people feel a little nervous about it like you know like oh do i have to drink to enjoy it and have a good time or be in it uh and 100 you do not um we've had lots of non-drinkers in the cast and people who don't drink come and see the show and they have a really fun time. And I want to make sure like people feel that way. You know, somebody once told me like when we did a show of a movie they loved, we did Hocus Pocus a few years ago and uh, it sold out within like three days of announcing it or maybe 48 hours of announcing it. It sold out. And a friend of mine who I'd done a show with earlier said, oh, I thought about really coming to that. But I was nervous because I wondered up being around a lot of people who are drinking and late at night. And I was like. Well, I, I completely understand that. And don't worry, that audience was incredibly enthusiastic and sang along with all the songs and that and, and were into every single moment uh, when the black cat puppet who I had gotten to be the for Thackeray Binks was revealed. I think that entire collective. Oh, <laughs> really just like nice. I was host. I was hosting the show and I was like, for a second, I was like, what was that? OK, more puppets mental note more puppets oh um, people love puppets yeah people, it's they just love like, puppets it's mm. just like the cowbell more cowbell oh, yeah. more mm-hmm. puppets you're yeah. you're never gonna go wrong that black cat puppet as soon as that actor playing thackeray like did his shrinking thing and revealed the puppet and put it up and went Aah! like that whole audience which was like i think like 90 percent women was a collective oh <laughs> like I'd like I'd never heard before. So <laughs> a, a um, pure theatrical moment. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. There were a lot of that was a great show, and there were a lot of great moments, but that puppet reveal was like, oh my gosh. Um, so I told her, like, oh no, 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 I understand feeling uncomfortable about not coming to something like that. But I think you would have really loved that show, and I think you would have felt comfortable and safe. So I want to I want people to know, like, yeah, you know, it's not about getting drunk on stage it's not about getting wasted out in the audience it's about having a great time you know we encourage the audience uh to sip their drinks don't chug and do shots and uh you know to enjoy the show um it's a it's a show it's not a you know a frat party uh <laughs> um and but i want to make sure people know like you will you know you are safe at our show uh you do not have to drink to enjoy it Uh, You can sip a non-alcoholic beverage. It's perfectly fine. The point is to have a good time however you like having a good time. And being at CanCan now, there's the added value to our audience, which is part of why we made the move um, that you have access before our show to all the video games and, and air hockey and ping pong. I mean, you can come out and do all those fun things before the show and then grab your drinks and food and come into the theater space and watch the show. And I think it makes for a, for $12, I think that makes for a heck of a night out. That's mm. really amazing. And and I will say as an actor who didn't drink when I was on stage, you know, I, I had the best time. Uh, we were talking about last episode with Julia Brown from the Playwright Center that some of my favorite work is new work, but also having, you know, um, you have one day of rehearsal for mm-hmm. a drinking game, Minnesota, and then you perform that evening. And I've done a Shakespeare show uh, at the Folger with a um, a theater company called the Taffety Punks, who mm. rehearse doing the same thing. You you know you get your but you are memorized 
for that one. Yeah, so, that's, so thank goodness for a drinking game, Minnesota. I, you know, it wasn't, you didn't have to be memorized, but there's so much, uh, like what Kevin was saying, these pure theatrical moments of just the audience being there and, and, and so cheering on the actors and, and for, in this case, having this beautiful nostalgia about, and just having a great time in a story that they know already and that they love. And then watching, you know, actors kind of deal with their, these moments that they love so much and yeah, just really such a fun time. Thank you. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I, you know, like part of the fun of doing the show is like, uh, you know, audiences come and it's one of their favorite movies. So like, you know, sometimes your punchlines get stepped on when you're the performer, but the audience is so into it that you don't really mind it so much. And it's a real blast, like to in both ways, like the audience, you know, I know they're out there because they love this movie and they're coming to see it. And maybe it's the first live theater show that some of them have ever seen, like ever seen or since high school or junior high that they've come out to see a show that's something that audience people have told me over the years like i don't see theater i don't see live performances like this this is the first thing i've seen like this and i really enjoyed this this was really fun i had a great time um yeah it's and a great then, way to make theater accessible to to people who don't really are like yeah that's not my thing and it's a great way to bring those people out and say no you know it can be it can be fun you know it might not be what you think or expect but you know it's your oh yeah time. yeah it's it, uh, accessibility is a big like a uh, part of the of the shadow horse theater uh mission you know it's something that i put into like kind of our mission statement at one point like you know want this to be accessible want people to feel comfortable theater in and of itself to me can be intimidating to a lot of people they worry they're not gonna get it they worry that it's like highfalutin they worry that it's gonna make them feel like they don't understand that they're unintelligent and i don't think that that should be ever an issue uh, i really don't and so drinking game is a was is a way to for people to come see a live theatrical performance and feel comfortable and know that they're seeing something that they're feeling comfortable with and that they're going to have a good time. And, you know, it's a it's a blast to hear like people say their favorite lines or react to moments in a movie that they love, you know, like again, like the Thackeray Binks one is a prime one. But there have been so many over the years, like where people have like, you know, uh, every you know, but we've done Princess Bride now three times because it was our 11th anniversary show. We revived it like after 11 years, and people, of course, are you know s chanting along with me when I say hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Prepare yes. to die. Yeah, <laughs> they're just, they're just, you know, they're cheering. They're cheering. I mean, the first time we did it, like when it came to like when I said it. And the actor playing Count Rugen, you know, he turned out to the audience and he was like, stop saying that. And there were people were like, no, no. And they're cheering me on before I kill him and everything. And I mean, we've had moments where people have like applauded, like stop the show and applauded uh, for moments like on stage. And it's just been incredibly magical. And then there's the fun of giving a role to an actor for a movie they love. You know, I've had people reach out to me like, Hey, I see you're doing this. Can I, can I play this? And most of the time I say, Oh yeah, I'd love to have you play that. If that, if that's a part you love. Is, yeah. Is that how I get cast Matt again? <laughs> I just like, I'm like, you're doing this. Like, can I play Regina George? Like I just email you. Is that how it goes? 
it's it sometimes happens that way. We just did Mean Girls, though, so yeah, it true, might be a true. while before we do that yes. again. But like, it's been that way, you know. Like, um, it's been that way, you know. Like, people have asked me, like, uh, you know, people ask me how to get in the show, and I always say, like, well, if I know you, if I've seen you, if I like your work, if I was in a show with you and I had a great time with you, uh, and you're interested and available, I'd love to have you in it whenever, you know, and that's basically how I do it. Like I do the if casting you, and I direct mm-hmm. it. Yeah. If you ever do Jaws, I want to be the shark. I'm we ready. did Jaws. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, we have did done Jaws. Jaws. Okay. We have done Jaws. Right. Yeah. Um, it's something we're thinking of reviving, but we did do Jaws. And uh, yeah, I mean. Oh, I'm so I'm, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm your I, guy for Jaws. <laughs> I'm not. I, anyway, I, anyway I don't know. we did and, do Jaws and and the actor, you know, who I had play Quint is one of my favorite local actors in town. Sam Landman, you know, he loves mm-hmm. he loves Jaws and he's the only person like who I wanted to play Quint and he he did it. And we for the only time in the history of the show, we suspended drinking cues for the Indianapolis scene uh, because we wanted to give it the right proper respect so that's the only time in the history of the show that we suspected drinking cues suspended drinking cues the greatest for, uh, the show greatest speech in cinema do you do you know how that sorry man do you know how that no, speech ahead. was was written do you know the backstory oh, i've heard yeah. it yeah i've yeah. heard it but i mean it's been a while since i've thought about it it's just well it's a mind-blowing scene obviously. yeah just uh real quick for people who don't know uh the contracted screenwriter for jaws was off contract like he had i think he had left because the shoot went on for so long and spielberg mm-hmm. at the ripe age of 27 knew that he needed something there and so he called his friend John Milius, a little oh uh, yeah Milius yeah yeah a little guy who uh, wrote Apocalypse mm. Now, wrote and directed uh, Conan the Barbarian. He he did uh, oh god what's the movie Wolverines Red Dawn uh, Red, Red Dawn, Dawn. Yes, Red Dawn anyway Red Dawn. yeah and he's and John Milius is the is the the man uh, on whom Walter Sobchak from Lebowski is based mm-hmm. uh, and in any case uh, he you know Spielberg told him what was going on and Milius dictated like an eight to 10 page monologue over the phone, apparently off contract. And then he worked with, uh, with Robert Shaw to, to winnow it down to what you get. I love that scene because it's a little play inside that movie. Mm-hmm. It's so oh, yeah. cool. It's, uh, a, it's so mind blowing. I'm wondering yeah. then with Twister two coming out sometime, <laughs> are you going to do Twister? And oh, that's a great question. We've never done question. Twister. What? Yeah. We've never, okay. you know, over yeah we've done a lot of shows like i think we've done like we've done over 100 perform performances now at this point like 11 years uh 11 shows a year we usually take off august for minnesota fringe festival but uh so we've done you know multiply it uh you know and do the math i'm not going to do it and uh twister's one that hasn't been done yet i don't know if they've done it in la or new york uh because now there's a la was the first one we're the second one and new york uh the new york show has been going on for i think i want to say like six years maybe seven years at this point that's awesome yeah it's a national thing you know you can see it in la you can see it in new york you can see it here in the twin cities it's a it's really been yeah, I, mean, I never thought like when I was asked to do it so many years ago that it would be what it is. And I've worked with, you know, we've had over 100 actors in it. Yeah, we've incredible. Had, we've had people who are in the movie, in the show, which has been amazing to us. Like uh, we had a cast member from Fargo host uh, uh, the Fargo show. And then she reprised her role as uh, one of the prostitutes that's with uh, 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 Steve Buscemi. Go Bears. 
He, uh, not that one. The one who oh, yeah. uh, Steve Buscemi <laughs> takes to the to the show at the at the. Uh, oh, okay. No. All right. Oh, okay. And who runs right. down the hall naked? <laughs> local local performer. I don't know. He was kind, he was kind of funny looking. Yeah, not not of... one of those, but the other one. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm <laughs> yeah, that's fan. That is fantastic. That's Amazing. Yeah, we've, fun. Oh, we've what had a, uh, yeah, we've had a Harry Waters Jr. who uh, is your cousin Marvin Berry in Back to the Future. He he reprised his role and sang Earth Angel, which he won a gold record for. Uh, you know, for our Back to the Future show, we had Eric Stolhansky from the Broken Lizard Group when we did uh, Super Troopers, uh, and he brought <laughs> actual costume pieces from the movie that we wore. So. I got to wear an actual uniform of one of the troopers from the actual movie. Uh, so we've had, uh, yeah, we've had, when we did Mighty Ducks, we had uh, two people from the cast of that show in it. So it's been amazing uh, to have, you know, perform on stage with these people who are in these, you know, legendary film favorites and uh, have them there in the show with us. It's something that our audience gets a huge kick of out of, obviously. And it's something that like, I don't know. People, I think that the LA people were like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just ask and they do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's what theater is. Uh, and I, I like that you're marrying American nostalgia and cinephilia with live performance. I've seen it done before. There's a great company that I did some work with in New York called barbecue films mm. and they do, so you y'all are doing readings of screenplays. Is that that's yeah, that's what, it's yeah. script in hand. It's a live mm-hmm. stage reading, but like mm-hmm. again, we try and like, you know, full really costumes, you know, make it. Oh yeah, know. like puppets, you know. Uh uh, you know, we we did Lion King and we had lots of makeup and lots of, <sighs> you know, stuffed animal puppets. And, you know, I want to combine all those elements. So, like, for example, like, you know, like I went obviously to the Disney store and I bought like a Simba cub and a nala cub and i got some shirts and i i played scar and of course i had the makeup for the scar over my eye and then i wore a scar shirt that said you know i'm surrounded by idiots and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. perfect and i (laughs) sang along with it so i like to combine all those kinds of elements when i do the show I, i like to have you know visuals for everything as much as possible um and sometimes, you know, and some of the fun of it is like, you know, it's on the cheap, like, you know, for the Iocane powder and Princess Bride, I, I buy a pixie stick for, you know, two for a dollar at the Party City, you know, um, making handmade props and things that are very simplified versions of it is part of the fun. You know, the audience gets a kick out of like, they wonder, like, how are they going to do this? Like, they're mm-hmm. doing the Matrix. How are they going to do this? Well, here's how we're going to do it. Um, we're going to use Nerf guns like for Jaws. How are they going to do the shark? Well, we're going to buy a shark suit and I'm going to shoot a dart at him from across the stage from a Nerf gun. And I got it right in his mouth at the end of the show, which after uh, everything I consumed was pretty impressive. Uh, very nice. Fun. Smile, you son of a. And uh, very good, Jaws. So that sounds amazing. I uh, will come at some uh, point. I am going to monitor the films that you that you're doing. I will keep a close eye out for anything Lebowski related. Anything? Well, I'll go to Twister, even though I have. But Amanda's excited enough for me yeah. too. I'll ride her. I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll have to add it to the list. Yeah, ooh, mm. there's a running list. I love it. Yes, well, yes. And speaking of movies. Uh, you know, you were in L.A. and you've mm-hmm. lived in other cities. How did you end up in Minnesota? Oh, sure. Um, 
after my divorce, uh, my uh, ex-wife was from Minnesota, not from the Twin Cities. She was from up north, like on the border, uh, Roseau and War Road, uh, specifically Roseau. And she moved to the cities where her brother lived um, and with my daughter. And after about mm, like about eight months in Los Angeles, I thought my child's only going to be little for so long. She was like going on she was like four going on five and I wanted to be as close to her and see her as much as possible. So I decided to uh, just pack up and move here. I knew no one. Uh, I knew nobody. I knew nothing about the scene here really, aside from the Guthrie. Um, I just knew that I wanted to be closer to my daughter. So I made the decision to move here and uh, I'm really lucky and, and blessed that it, it worked out the way it did. I've made a lot of wonderful friends. I've been in amazing shows. Um, I've been lucky enough when something shot here to be in a few things still here on film and TV. So uh, I've been really very blessed. That's excellent. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great story. The Twin Cities, man, it's got it's got a lot uh, going for it. A lot to recommend it. I'm a big fan, not going to lie. Uh, so, so I was looking at the Shadow Horse Theater website, and mm. you also have a, a project called Dark Pony Radio. Do you care to yes. tell us a little bit about that? We'll shift gears. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's something that we're really uh, excited about. Like Dark Pony Radio is our podcast. It was developed by my production partner Matt Kelly. Um, it was an idea he came up with, to, like to do a podcast of. Uh, I, I would say like tales of suspense, horror, fantasy. Uh, they're full casted. Um, I and Matt and the other uh, Shadow Horse members, uh, Max Besner and uh, Mara Rose, uh, are all cast people in it. And then we have a special guest star, which is a local performer, and they're our lead in them. And we record it as a full podcast we have a wonderful sound engineer and designer benjamin conklin who had sound effects and music and amazing elements like he's done a he's done is it uh, like a is it like a foley artist does he does he's, do that kind of thing yeah. i mean some of it it's all he he's his own kind of wizard like it's not like uh you know like old-fashioned radio foley sounds it's more like technical and and today mm-hmm. using modern technology sure. But he uses incredible elements. I mean, he's made a, a ship full of rats. He's made uh, an empty apartment store. He's made mm. uh, right now we're we're in the middle of where our current episode is uh, Dante's Inferno. So Inferno uh, part two, the lion. And he's got, you know, crossing the river sticks and going into the city of Dis. You're in hell. You're he's, you're 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 dramatizing. uh Dante's Inferno. Yes, uh, I'm. I'm the poet. I'm Dante, and our guest uh, performer Antonio Perez is Virgil, and the rest mm. of the Shadow Horse Company, uh, T.J. Jacobs, Max, and uh, Matt are the denizens and doomed mm. uh, in the the circles of hell. And uh, you know, uh, Benjamin adjusts our voices. You know, you know, to help sometimes with the characters. Sometimes it's you know our own voices, and he just tweaks it a little bit for certain characters. But that's what it is like. So every month there's a new episode, but this is like our first like kind of trilogy. Like part one was last month, the She-Wolf part two, the lion is up right now. And then part three, the leopard will be uh, next month in April of 2023. What inspired you to cover the Inferno and to do to do Dante? Yeah. Ooh, ask Matt. But um, mm. I think the okay. I think part of it was like, A, obviously it's a, an amazing story. You know, it set the standard for all epic poetry in 
in the in the Renaissance after that. I mean, you know, I think somebody once said like there's Italian before Dante and then there's Italian after Dante. Right. He's their Chaucer. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it's a it's a masterpiece of brilliance when you when you when you think about everything he did in incorporating Greek and Roman mythology and uh the stories of his own Rome and the politics uh, of his time and place that he lived in and coming up with everything that he did and the biblical elements of it of course. Mm-hmm. So it's if you don't have to be a religious person at all at all to enjoy Dante's Inferno, it is a fascinating mixture of like, he just basically pulled like every celebrity who was dead and put them into his poem and made sure, you know, oh, these people are in hell and uh, you know, don't worry, but Jesus came down and took these people out. Right. <laughs> so right. <laughs> it's um, all very political as well. Like who he decided yeah. to put in hell and who not. Yeah. What a great uh, gotcha. Talk about subtweeting. Holy moly. Oh, yeah. I mean like that's that. Yeah. The modern <laughs> politics of his own, you know, time and place, he definitely added to it, you know, like people who he and his family had a personal issues and political issues with, he made sure to put them in there and make sure they were suffering in the way he thought they should be and everything. Well, you know, the other podcast I do, Art of Darkness, artofdarkpod.com, we're covering uh, Dante later this Ah. year. So I'm very interested in that. I'm not the one covering him. My co-host will be doing it, but I can't wait. That's going to be exciting i'm going to give a listen to to these and there's a there's yeah. a third part coming yeah third part's coming yeah and we've done so this is our first like kind of trilogy three in a row uh sequential we did um the mountains of madness uh earlier in one you of did, our episodes you did a, you, so you did lovecraft, lovecraft. yeah okay yeah, we did lovecraft good. and then and then we did a sequel return to madness which was an original sequel that matt wrote and i got to give all the credit to to matt kelly here like he came up with the concept and he writes these and adapts these stories and tales and he takes notes from us but really he leads the ship on it and it's amazing uh i'm really proud of it like i've enjoyed performing on it i've performed all sorts of interesting and unique characters on it we've had amazing guest stars uh antonio perez uh jim aarons who is right now performing at eurydice the theater in the round uh, um, jim is going to be in a reading of my new play ah. the animals which is going to be uh live at waldman on the 27th I hope you can come if you if you're able to. Matt. I hope so. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's going to be in that, and we will also put it online at badmouthtc.com. But don't sleep on the live reading; it's meant to be read live. And he's in that great Sarah Rule play right now in Eurydice. Yeah, he's at mm-hmm. he's in Eurydice at Theater in the Round right now. Yeah, and uh, Kelly Nelson, who did the choreography for that show, she was our first. Uh, guest star on the podcast uh, we always have the guest star do three two or three episodes mostly three and so kelly's been in it uh great local actress uh ali daniels was in some of our episodes uh, and we have music i should mention also of course we have music from uh the great local artist uh carnage the executioner he does our theme songs <laughs> and we did a live version of it at the at the fringe this past year we did uh, dark pony radio live at the fringe we're hoping to maybe do maybe down the road like another live performance of it uh but we brought it live to the fringe so um and we're going to be doing the episodes they're going the the things that we the episodes that we did at the fringe are going to be done as new episodes little enhanced like a kind of director's cut 
uh, version with things that we couldn't incorporate with the time limit at the fringe into the new episodes. So, I mean, Matt Kelly's done an amazing job with it and we've had a really great time doing it. So I hope people will check it out. If you like horror suspense, uh, thrillers, you know, there's a mix of stuff like twilight zone fans will enjoy it. Fans of HP Lovecraft and, uh, and Edgar Allan Poe, we've done Follow the House of Usher, uh, Dante, epic poetry. There's us, I think there's something for everybody into it who's into those kinds of stories. There's an episode that'll fit your your scratch your itch. <laughs> cool. So we obviously love our podcasts and our audio content over here at Badmouth Theater Company, but I'm curious what inspired you to put on dark pony radio as an audio only experience as opposed to a web series or a live show. Oh, that's an interesting question. I think because uh, those elements that make a podcast or radio show, cause we call it dark pony radio. I think those are special and unique, you know, like I think it's cool to see in your imagination, what we talk about in these episodes, you know, if you listen to like um, uh, our first ever episode, three skeleton key, which is a famous kind of horror story uh about uh a lighthouse lighthouse keepers and a ship that arrives at their lighthouse the audio of it uh is i think a it'd be something really difficult to show on stage maybe impossible and b i think it creates the kind of imagery in your mind and your imagination that you wouldn't see in theater like theater magic is special and unique and wonderful and you know you can do all sorts of amazing things with it uh with that suspension of disbelief but i think sometimes just the audio just that imagination just that feel that our grandparents and great-grandparents got when they listened to shows on the radio like the shadow uh, uh as an example or you know even uh the twilight zone i think those things uh are something different, something unique. And I think that's what Matt wanted to do with this. He wanted to tell these audio tales that maybe you couldn't really put on stage in a way, but with the stage on in your mind, your imagination, they can create images uh, that are maybe even more frightening than anything we could portray, even on screen. Maybe Right. That's the that's the whole Greek messenger speech. It, you know, it's what what you don't see is the most horrific and how you describe it. But uh, and there's that wonderful, you know, war of the worlds, like, is this real? And it becomes something uh, bigger. And and these voices take on, you know, uh, uh, a place in, in people's minds that are so huge, you know, off of just a voice, which is so is such it is. It's a really cool, magical thing, you know. But yeah, like in one episode, um the evening primrose, I play like a, a wizened old lady who's very spider-like. And, you know, if I was on stage in drag, it wouldn't be the same. You know, it'd be <laughs> kind of comedic, you know, see, there you go. It'd be comedic. It wouldn't have the right kind of reaction from an audience. But since it's just my voice and I do it, you know, the way I did it, it's uh, it's kind of it. I've had people who've listened to it go, that was you. That was that was really frightening. That was scary. Well, well give us a sample. Come on, you can't. Uh, leave, I wish you I, can't leave I, the listeners hanging now, man. But I want oh, people. Yeah. To, I want people to. I want people to go listen to the episode. Okay. So, All right. Yep. And and where and where can they where can they find this podcast? Tell people again. It, 
there's a link on our website the dark on the shadow horse theater website you can see that uh there's a link to dark pony radio right there and you can listen to it right there and you can find it wherever podcasts are so i know we're on apple Podcasts, stitcher uh iHeartRadio. we're available in all those formats and cool. uh very good we'll check it out yeah yeah, awesome. And of course, you were part of our reading series last year, our first season, and you were in a play by Brandon McCoy called Other Life Forms. Mm. Uh, do you care to, because people can go, can go back into the catalog and listen to that, badmouthtc.com. It's right there. You can't miss it. Do you care to talk a little bit about what that was like? Oh, it was, first of all, it was a blast because, you know, first of all, I'm grateful that you thought of me and, and asked me to do it because I met all three of you doing it. And I was just so impressed by like, A, your talent, B, your commitment to doing new work and C, you know, the, the you know, doing it live and recording it so that people can come and see it and hear it, you know, whenever they want. I think that's amazing. And I loved, I loved every aspect of it. Uh, to describe other life forms, boy, it's a really smart, funny romantic show um i guess i think of it almost as like uh, an anthropological study in a way um it's about modern love but it's also about like a, a love in and of itself and an outsider's observance of that love and our mating rituals and our relationships and what those relationships mean and how they make us human and how somebody who maybe uh, is different from us looks on that. I don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> right? But but boy, is yeah. it smart and funny and mm. clever and romantic and insightful. I really enjoy it a lot. I think Brandon wrote a really uh, a, a really great script because just when you think you know what it is, that's when it gets turned on its head completely, and you're mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> oh wow yeah that's great i'll co-sign all of that i feel the same way about the production we have coming up of one good marriage i feel very similarly about that play that play doesn't quite have the same mm, supernatural uh elements but it it keeps turning and twisting and that's my favorite thing in the theater when you yeah, look up and boy. you go oh what just happened? Yeah, boy, yeah. Uh, you really do not know what's coming, y'all. So come, <laughs> yeah, come out yeah. to see it. It is the mm. last two weeks in May from May yes. 19th through the 28th. Um, Correct. And mostly at 7.30 or 2 p.m. on Sundays at the Phoenix Theater in Minneapolis. There's also a pay what you can show. So, you know, if you want to go see something for, um, you know, and have a have a nice night out and not you know spend an arm and a leg as we minnesotans say yeah but the uh, it, but the tickets are also like wicked oh, cheap for this is true. a fully produced fully realized play it's not going to break the bank but there will be a pay what you can show there's also uh lower price tickets for students and seniors i think it's 25 yes. general 20 dollars students and seniors and uh yeah we want everybody uh to come to the show everybody to be able to come and i'm really excited about it it's going to be a lot of fun for bad mouth and our you know sean is a great playwright he very generously basically just said yeah run with it do what you want to do with it mari is a playwright we're reading her play next uh next month at waldman i'm a playwright of course and so it's just the beginning of what i hope will be a very long very fruitful very collaborative 
experience. And then we get to meet great collaborators and fellow folks in the theater scene, like, like our friend, uh, Matt here. Theater makers. Yeah. The theater. <laughs> theater yeah. makers. I'm sort of, uh, I'm sort of looking, um, the, the the key is to get as many syllables into the word theater as possible. Yeah, just that's how they know you've been to mm. acting school. Theater makers, <laughs> something like that. Very good, Matt, Matt. I you know I always have to come up with a um an episode title for these, and the best thing I have so far is uh, Matt Sachs returns to madness. <laughs> I don't ah. know. I don't, does that does that pass? Do you, do you like I don't that? think all of you are. I don't think all of you are mad uh, at all. Uh, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's joyful. And uh, I, uh, I, I, and touching on the accessibility thing, you know, that we talked about earlier with with drinking game. Um, I think accessibility again is like such an, a big issue for for theater, you know, and that goes into pricing as well. You know, tickets can be expensive, and you know, at one point with drinking game, you know, I I made it so like. Uh, the tickets were like $8 and $12 for the show because I knew people were going to be buying drinks too. And I wanted to take that into account. And we didn't raise ticket prices for like five or six years at one point because it just mattered to me. And I'm a big believer in pay what you can and accessibility goes into affordability, you know, um, so like we've done with our own production company, Shadow Horse Theater, we've always had multiple pay what you can performances of our main stage shows that we've produced and done uh, discounts for students, seniors, veterans. You know, it's a big, big issue with the theater, I think, and something mm -hmm. that I think is very important because if we want new audiences and we want people to see our work. We got to make it affordable. We got to start right there mm -hmm. at that, at the base and look mm -hmm. at the ticket price and yeah. try and make it affordable. And I think that goes to what you were, speaks to what you were saying about, you know, the, the theater is sort of inaccessible, not only in the monetary way, but this kind of class sort of way, you know, where it's like, oh, this place, you know, I don't know Shakespeare or this play, I'm not going to understand it. Or I don't know this music from this musical, but how are people going to access it as fellow humans and yeah. enjoy it and laugh along with all the jokes or be surprised and be, be excited and, you know, be singing the songs or be like, Oh, wow. You know, like I, I, I really enjoyed Shakespeare and I never thought that I would. Oh so. yeah. I, I think like, you know, one of the best things about drinking game is that it brought people again into the theater who never had seen live shows or hadn't seen something since they were dragged to something by their parents, or maybe like when they were saw something in a high school or junior high assembly. Uh, so people came to drinking game because they felt comfortable seeing like a movie that they loved, even though it was on stage performed live and they had a blast at it. And then we used that. We were like, you know, as a company, like I picked a show for the first Shadow Horse main stage show that my friend Janelle Riley wrote in Los Angeles that was a big hit there, which was called A Kind of Love Story. And it was a modern romantic comedy with a load of pop culture references, like hmm. tons of pop cultural references, uh, internet dating, uh, you know, uh, quotes or scene a, a scene where the two love interests meet for the first time online and have a chat online with each other um and i picked it because a it was a funny wonderful script and charming and romantic but also i knew it would be accessible i knew people wouldn't feel intimidated in any way by it i knew like it was we were easing our drinking game audience into like okay you like drinking game great 
you're coming to our shows, that's wonderful. Why not give this a chance? Like come and see our show, see us. You know, I, I would joke on stage, like in the months leading up to the show, like come see us do this without scripts in hands. Cause we can do this. We can memorize lines. I promise you. <laughs> and, uh, and people were like, okay, you know, I'll give it a shot. Um, and they came and, uh, they really enjoyed it. And people were saying to us after the show, uh, because we do our curtain call and then we stand in the hallway lobby and say thank you to people who are coming to the show. And even though I played a horrible jerk in it, and I'm not just <laughs> a bro jerk in it, and people sometimes wouldn't shake my hand. Literally, a guy said, I'm not going to shake your hand. You're a. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Thank you. It's, it's called <laughs> acting, sir. Yeah. But whatever. He liked the show. So I'm okay with it. But, you know, uh, people, I remember people kept saying to me a couple of times, like, you know, I haven't seen like a play play ever. This is the first play I've seen. I really uh, enjoyed this. I love this so much. It was so it. funny and charming and sweet. And I was like, that's, that's what we want. And now maybe you'll come see our next one. And they'll be like, okay. And I didn't tell them that the next one was going to be a three hour epic by Clive Barker of uh, <laughs> horror and grotesquerie and you know, a million other things Sorrow called crazy face. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorrow and violence and Clive Barker writes, of... writes for the theater. He writes plays. Oh yeah. Clive started wow. Clive Barker started in writing plays. And oh, his, how did I not know that? His best play is one called I think his best play. He's written a lot of good ones, but his best play I think is one called Crazy Face. And it's basically like it's Grand Guignol. Like it is a mm -hmm. massive epic with like 50 something fifth speaking role characters and we had a full cast of 25 and most people wow. played multiple parts whoa um and for it listeners, is an epic what what is uh you know do you have a short description of grand Guignol theater because it's quite the and that's gonna have the... to be the last thing too in okay. in one yeah. minute 90 seconds what's the grand Guignol? it's like a french ah. theater practice right i would I would call it big spectacle, uh, big, big, uh, big effects, big moments, big violence, violence. Big, yes. Big yeah. violence uh, and big spectacle for the stage that doesn't involve a helicopter like in Miss Saigon. Mm -hmm. mm, very good. The great Matt Sachs talking about drinking game, MN talking about Shadow Horse Theater. That's with an R-E at the end, dot com. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hold, your, hold your pinky up and shadowhorsetheater.com. Yes. Yes. Very good. And you've been listening to Mouthing Off, a theater arts and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company here in St. Paul, Minnesota, online and at 94.1 FM, Frogtown Radio. Mari Sittner, thanks for coming back. Glad good to, be to see back. you. Glad to be back in Frogtown. We're going to keep doing it. Amanda, you have a good time. Thanks good for the evening, y'all. Thank you. And Matt, of course, you're always welcome. You've got something to promote. You've got a new thing going on. Open door here at uh, Bad Mouth and Mouthing Off. Thank you. Well, thank you, Mari. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, really grateful. Uh, Love being on this. Uh, it flew by. And uh, hope folks will check out uh, Dark Pony Radio podcast, our own podcast, and this one as well. And I'm looking forward to y'all's readings and work. I can't wait to see what your bad mouth people are doing because you're bad mouth, bad <laughs> A asterisk asterisk. So, <laughs> we're doing the thing. Great to see it. Yeah. <laughs>